Welcome to the United We Scan podcast, the podcast by rural carriers for rural carriers. The views expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views or opinions of the United States Postal Service or the National Rural Letter Carriers Association. We ask that you please consult your assigned union representative for guidance in your local area. Make sure you like this podcast, share with your fellow rural carriers, and subscribe to be notified each time a new episode is uploaded. Please rate this podcast five stars where applicable and leave a comment or question for us below. Thank you. Now, here are the hosts of the United We Scan podcast. And welcome back, everybody. Episode 34 in the works right now. How are you doing tonight, James? What was a Wonderful day today, often on rain showers, spent the day over at the airport for an air show, even went up flying in a little prop job plane for a little bit, uh, my first ever experience in one of those itty bitty little planes. Did whack my head against the window though when we hit a pocket of turbulence, but other than that it was quite interesting, uh, I was right up there on the flight line and watch the planes do their stunts and then watch the A-10 Warthog and then two F-16s fly by at the same, at the, right after each other. So that was pretty cool. I mean, I believe they have uh, their training going on up in Gaylord right now. So it was cool to see them actually come down and join our air show. Last year, we didn't have any of those planes there. But the week was really good. Uh, volume was surprisingly down on quite a few things, except box holders. Had a bunch of them in my DPS, for sure. A lot of uh, letter box holders in my DPS. And then, of course, the box hold, actual box holders with no addresses on them as well. And um, But all in all, it was a pretty non-eventful uh, week at the office for me. That's good. Josh is going to be joining us later. He's on a mission with the kid right now. Bill, how was your week? Great. Oh, you know, in, in Westchester, you just can't make this shit up, okay? <laughs> you know, it, when, when somebody says, you know, they have a supervisor that's dumber than a rock, I've got one dumber than that rock, okay? <laughs> but, yeah, hey, it's entertaining. I enjoy it. And, and, and you know, due to circumstances, uh, I can't protest unless somebody, you know, says to me, eh, what about this? And I can tell them what to do. But that's off the books. Um, I want to preface um, my commentary tonight by saying, due to the fact that we received uh, three articles of fan mail and the uh, upcoming national convention of which I'm in the running for president, I'm going to be moderate in my responses and comments uh, tonight and next Sunday, so as not to incite a riot. <laughs> we thank you, we Bill. We are not about that. We are not about inciting anything except for determination to follow the contract and the rules and postal manuals of the Postal Service. And as I said, I'm not going to incite it, a riot. Well, right? you you can incite people to have pride in their job. Everybody should. Yes. Regar regardless of how they're treated, they should still do the job to the best of their ability. Absolutely. Yeah. And that will 
lead us to Kristen. How was your week? <laughs> well, I had about by the end of Friday evening, uh, probably about 14 hours of overtime this week. So it was a busy one. I got my butt kicked on that 47K for a few days. Then had to split off another route Thursday after running the 47k. Yeah, it's been it's been a week. Today I kind of relaxed and went kayaking down the Asabo River for a little bit before it started raining. Got rained on a little bit and then came home and chilled out. And now I'm here with you guys. Aren't you blessed? Right. And thinking, man, I got to start packing this week for next week for uh, national. Yeah, that's my next to do. We all list. do. <laughs> we all do. We do. All we three do. of us do. Yes. Yeah, actually, uh, I'm done packing. <laughs> all, all I got to do is get the liquid refreshments uh, packed up. That's all. Nice, nice. I will be having some more liquid refreshment being made for me. Before we go, so anybody wants some Any apple word? pie moonshine? No. <laughs> Any word on uh, your position as a delegate? Have you moved up at all? Uh, last I knew, I was still about seven or eight back in the pack. So not, not bad. No, not bad. no, they did do some upgrades, but I haven't heard anything about. I could easily send an email and find out, but I just haven't yet. You'll find out when you get there. <laughs> yes, I will. Yeah. Now, Kristen, you're you're still an RCA, and you covered the forty-seven. Does your management come to you and ask you to help on the other routes, or is that something that you do on your own? Um, when I got the notification that the carrier Thursday had called in, I am the only RCA in the office that knows every route in the office. So I said, "Well, I will." And the other RCA that was there that day does not know the route that was down. So what we ended up doing was uh, I pretty much said we'll give him the easy part of the route and I'll take the POA section because that's the reason that whole route was nicknamed Turnaround. <laughs> and uh, I said I would take that part. Because it was actually on my way back to the office from the route I was running anyways. I do a lot of the volunteering on my own. Just to make and, things, and sure the, things are covered. And, and basically the, the route allocation based on people's knowledge and abilities. Yes, yes. So you, you, you don't have a supervisor that comes by and says, We have an open route today. Any regulars want to help? Pitch in. I'm sure the RCAs would appreciate it. And then walk away. No. Oh, okay. No, because um, I, I'm I'm trying to find that in the in the uh, ELM or the M38 because you know I, I didn't know that that's how that worked. Well, for time wise, given the one RCA didn't know that route at all, has never touched it. Like I said, I gave him the easy part of it. Um, she did go and ask a uh, regular carrier if they would take my ox route. Just. For time constraints, not knowing how long it may take him out there since he's, you know, was running it completely blind. But I just, I just love the sheer fact that I, the postmaster actually was the one that stayed in the office and didn't bump the uh, 
City 204B to the desk when he got back from his route. So uh, I could have seen her doing that and taking off early, but she didn't. So I made her butt wait there till I got back at 7 o'clock. So what's our agenda tonight, James? Well, that was actually a great segue talking about routes. Yes. Uh, the very first, the very first topic we wanted to talk about was everybody needs to do their DPM and LTM mapping. The national office came out and announced that there is not enough routes doing the proper procedures for mapping their DPM and LTM. Now, some of those numbers are actually falsified on that report. And the reason they are falsified is management is going in and doing the DPM and LTM updates without the carrier of record on that route. This is your money. We talk about this all the time when it comes to anything related to the rec system. This is your money. So we need to talk about what do you need to do to get you to sit down and do your DPM and LTM mapping. Start with Kristen there because you're the facilitator in your office. So would you like to take the floor on this? Well, my biggest thing is, you know, especially if management's your facilitator, and well, it doesn't matter who the facilitator is, the carrier should be sitting down with whoever's facilitating to make sure that your TCPs are correct on your LTM, your traffic control points. And your well, just to make sure your mileage is correct, making sure that, you know, where you turn around is at the correct spot. Pinpointing, I know I've had I had a couple of them when we were updating this last time where it was kept throwing off an error saying that the uh there was no breadcrumbs for that address. Well, we had to go back in and didn't think anything of it at first, but then we go back and unlock and we notice that the pinpoints were in the wrong spot. They were way further north of where they should have been, so it was throwing off the LTM. So we replaced those in the correct spots, and that actually cleared that up quite easily. That is, I mean, that is the importance. I mean, management doesn't know, and even a facilitator, they don't run your route because, well, they're regular, and they may not have ran that route at all or haven't ran it since they were in RCA eons ago. That's why it's very important that the carriers sit down with the, ver with the facilitators. And if shift duties, and if they insist on doing outside of end of shift duties, that should be 8127 time. You can't put a time limit on it because, number one, these computers are slow. Sometimes it's slow. slow. <laughs> Sometimes you can get them, if you get it at the right time, it can go fairly quickly and you can be done in 10, 15, 20 minutes. Other times it's going to take you a lot longer. But you're the only one that knows where you park. You're the only one that knows where you leave a package. You're the only one that knows where your turnaround spot is. You're the only, you know, making sure all that is correct. You're the only one out there that knows where your stoplights and stop signs and railroad tracks and gated communities, if you have them to go through, are at. And that is the whole purpose of the carrier sitting down with the facilitators to do the mapping every month. 
to make sure it is all updated. And I've seen a lot of with people say, well, we updated the DPM, but we didn't do the LTM. If you, and if you are in a heavily seasonal area like I am, you still have to go in and update that LTM, even if those addresses were plotted prior when you first initially did the it, but they were inactive and now they're reactivated. You still have to go in there because that LTM then is going to add those stops when you go on or and do it as an update. You don't have to sit there and ride the whole route each and every time, the full route. You can do just do the updated sections as well, so which definitely cuts back on the time. James? Bill, you want to add something? Yeah, on that point, uh, in, in our office, and it's funny because we're, we're kind of a large office outside of the Philadelphia district. And uh, let me tell you, like you said about waiting for the computer, there are times we we have no phone service, no internet service, and it takes up to 15 minutes at a time for the DPM to load up just so you can start. But in our office, we've had changes where uh, a PTF became a regular, uh, one regular turned around and changed routes, and then another carrier you know, went from his route to, to the route that recently was vacated. And I told them all, I said, sit down and go over your DPM and the LTM immediately. Yes. As soon as you're aware of everything, all the stops and everything that you have in your route, once you're familiar with your route in its entirety, make sure you sit down and do that. Because if you don't, and I'm not going to say which carrier, but one of them is a bit of a slacker. So, you know, the, the carrier that stepped into his route, he's going to go up because of the fact that this uh, individual didn't do the job 100%. And this is where I tell people that even if you're non-union, okay, we need to help you because you don't know when you're going to bid onto another route. And if you don't have the information because you're non-union, A, that's your own fault. But B, it, nobody else in the office is stepping up to help you. And that's what we need to do. We need to step up and help everybody in the office, dues paying or not. Because the next person that moves onto a route might get screwed over because the other person didn't, you know, pay attention, didn't belong to union, didn't care, whatever. But once you get on a new route and you get familiar with it, make sure you get that DPM and LTM done. Too sweet. Well, yeah, and you know, with that too, especially being a new carrier on a route, you may leave things in different spots. You may have worked out something different with customers. You may notice stuff that the previous carrier missed. Is something as simple as a stop sign or a traffic light that, you know, in their everyday dealings just doesn't think about it. And then you're thinking, oh, wait a minute, there's a there's a stop sign right there. or There's a yield sign right there. Or that box should be a dismount and not a curb line or, you know, if that's a hardship or a business or something like that. There's always going to be changes of one sort or another, especially when you take over a new route. Because I know when I go full time here in the next few months fingers crossed, that, uh, you know, even though I, as a facilitator, I'm very familiar with that route and the mapping, and I have run that route many, many times, there still may be changes when I take it over. Well, as a facilitator, let me ask you a question. You know, this is a, a personal point of view, but you answer it for me, and, and, and I'll go from there. Say you have a closed community, um, not a closed gate community, but a community that's townhomes and they have uh some stop signs in there but not at every intersection do you consider the the intersections without stop signs to be 
traffic control point because you have to be safe. You know, you have to stop and make sure you're safe to proceed into that lane of travel. Technically, no. It specifically the language says if there's not an actual stop sign, you do not place one there. Okay. But no, I, we're in agreement. I, yeah, we're we're in agreement, but you know, for safety's sake, you know. Oh yeah. For safety's sake. I totally see what you're saying because I know there are some of my routes that, you know, you almost basically have to stop there because you don't know what's coming down barreling down that gravel road, even though there's no stop sign there. Yeah. I totally get what you're saying, but yeah, because there's no official legal road commission stop sign out there. You unfortunately aren't supposed to mark it. And, and folks, please, whatever you do, don't falsify that because they they can get with the local uh, townships, boroughs, state, wherever, and, and find out where those traffic control spots are um, or TCPs, to- traffic control points. Mm-hmm. So th- don't falsify that. that that's a subject that's been addressed in our office already, and it, it's not worth it because you're only getting a half a second anyway. Uh, question on hardships. Let's say you have an older couple, one in a wheelchair, the other one has to have a walker. Do they write the hardship? They have to actually apply and submit a doctor's recommendation in order to get approved to be a hardship. There is a process for that to happen. If they're not interested okay. in doing that, then no, but otherwise, you know, you let them know. You can always get the paperwork from your postmaster and deliver it to them. And then when you get the hardship back and, and everybody's agreed to that, you're going to change it in your edit book to OTH, other, and that'll also change it in the DPM to other. And then you will be able to actually move the mailbox to wherever they put the mailbox on the property. I actually have a hardship on my route. Her mailbox is actually in her garage wall. You put the mail in the garage wall, and then they get it from the other side. They don't even have to step outside. You know, in a state that gets a, a snow frequently, it's just not safe for her to walk down an icy driveway to get her mail. And she gets her mail every single day. So make sure you're do- making sure that your hardships, your authorized dismounts and so on are mapped correctly as well. I do know of management that has moved points to clear out alerts like the 150 foot and the 500 foot alerts, which don't need to be cleared out. And then on top of that, another part of the LTM has been opened up to carriers recently. And that is after you have done the line of travel manager updates, you then get to the next screen, which has your map of your route, the breakdown of your route, and then following that is your turn by turn 4003. That is where your 4003 now resides. And you should go through that and make sure that the turn by turn is accurate to your route. You want to make sure on mine, when I went through mine, the first few lines of it were left turns. And every single one of those turns was actually a right turn. There are errors in that. So check your your line of travel and your your digital 4003. We'll call it the digital one on the LTM. And make sure you, you get that corrected. And there's ways to edit it at the end there. Your facilitator should know how to do that. So make sure you're doing that. If your management is not allowing you 
to update your DPM or LTM, it is urgently important to contact your local union representative. Whoever your assigned union representative is, you need to get a hold of them because that is your money they're messing with. And it has been put out by management and agreed upon with the union. There is that timeline with the edit books, the first to the 10th, and then they go down. It There's that whole timeline that's supposed to be held to every month, and I do believe it's the 23rd through the 30th is supposed to be put aside just for mapping updates. Yeah, we put we put the timeline in last episode, in episode yep. 33. So go back and listen to episode 33 to get the timeline if you're interested in that. Follow up to that question on the hardship. If the doctor says yes, but the postmaster says no because one can walk. If they're walking with a walker, to me, that's not, they're not physically able to. And if their mailbox is on the opposite side of a busy street and it is not safe, I would definitely be contacting your ADR or DR and get them involved in that. I do know of we're in a near office where that has actually had to happen recently where he did have to get the ADR and DR involved to get that hardship placement in. Oh, you, you know what's quicker than that is to contact your local congressperson. That too. The, the, we, I've used that a couple times and, you know, you know, not for my route, but for uh, carriers in our office. And boy, I'll tell you what, they don't like getting phone calls from the congresspeople. No. Nope. No, they don't. And especially if you feel that they need a hardship as well and their doctor has supplied all the proper paperwork, there is no reason for the postmaster to be denying it. And if it is a dismount, then management does have to go out there with the wheel, with little wheel measure thing and measure the distance between where you park to where you deliver the box and back. And then that is also inputted in under your DPM on your dismounts. And that segues us right into our next topic, <laughs> right, in, right into management and the harassment of carriers. We all know and have heard the stories of how management is turning around and micromanaging carriers about the inputs they're putting into their scanner, about the times they've been taking rest breaks to cool off, especially in the hot temperatures we've had these past months, and all the other issues that carriers are doing aside that they're using the scanner data to harass carriers with. They're not actually doing anything to observe or find out what's actually going on. They're just using the scanner data. And this is actually a lot of it. I've seen the emails from district management in my area actually telling postmasters to get on carriers about these extra scans. They aren't talking about the carriers that have zero scans. They want to talk about the carriers that have one, two, 10, 15 scans. Now management is getting on carriers, they're harassing carriers, they're making carriers fear for their job. They're making carriers scared to come into work because they feel like when they walk in the door, management's going to have another issue with what's going on with them. And some management has even started to issue discipline on this. What do we do, Bill? <laughs> we file, file, file. And then when we're done filing, we file on the EEO. 
I have an office that I'm aware of that uh, be having issues keeping anybody, whether it's RCAs, clerks, they're running bare bones. And uh, there was a recent shadow who uh, quit right after the shadow day saying, nope, this isn't for me, this negative atmosphere, blah, blah, blah. The postmaster then took it and tried to blame the two mail carriers in the office that it's their fault. They're the reasons for the negativity in the office and whatnot, Uh, which is not actually true at all because the one carrier did talk to the person that shadowed. And that person flat out said, no, dude, it wasn't you guys. It was the postmaster. They are toxic. So you, yeah, when you have narcissistic postmasters out there that don't want to uh, see that they're the issue and put a blame off, especially the blame off on the only two male carriers on the rural side, full-time carriers, and push the blame off onto them. Yeah, that's that's a problem. And this is not a a regional thing. This this is national. I mean, I've seen it in my office where... We have a team, an attendance team, coming into our office and instructing the supervisors to, to have PDIs on people with call-outs as far back as January of this year. And, you know, they'd come to me, and I said, untimely. And then, you know, inform them of the rest of the situation. But, it, you know, the, the micromanaging, you know, uh, as far as the uh, um, unsca- uh, unscanned, uh, unscannable parcels. Okay, uh, I I took one to my supervisor. I said, you know, this you know fits in the measurements in regards to what the engineers have described, but it's a diploma. Now, do you want me to bend it or not? You know, and well, no, you can't bend it. Well, I said, then you know, you're authorizing me to put this in as a unscannable parcel. Well, of course, I says, okay, I says, because I'm going to do that, and this mailbox requires me to take it to the door. Well, you know, we, we, we don't want to hear the customer call back and say they didn't get their diploma in, you know, a, a, a frameable condition. And, and th- th- these are the things that these local supervisors have no knowledge whatsoever, and they're being directed by their district managers to basically harass us on every input on our scanners. They don't mind if we miss some scans that we are entitled to. They're not going to tell you about those. But, you know, as long as you get your six in there, they're, they're happy as pie. So basically the biggest thing here is management has felt unrestricted to harass carriers left and right and micromanage them left and right. And the biggest thing that carriers can do, whether you're dues paying or non-dues paying, it doesn't matter, is to file a grievance against management for harassment and for hostile work environment, a hostile work environment and violation of the joint statement 4-40, where everybody is supposed to be treated with dignity, fairness, and respect. And you file that grievance and you talk with your designated union representative Talk with them. Let them know you have this going on in your office. And if you can get multiple carriers to, to sign 
uh, statement about it happening, you can turn it into a class action, which automatically takes it up to the district representative. The district representative then has to be involved. But what if, and if any of them, if any of them are not willing to step up and do the job that they were assigned to do, contact higher up in the system. Go as high as you need to, because this needs to stop. Our carriers need to stop being harassed by management over accurate scanning per the documents that we've been given by both management and the union. We did an episode on activity scans. Both the management and union copies have not changed since we read from that activity scan quick reference guide back in that episode called activity scans. They have not changed. What has changed is management is seeing exactly how our routes are going to change. And this segues us right into our third topic of the day. What we think is going to happen to our routes when we go through this next mini mail survey. But before that, real quick, James, what if your office has filed many grievances on the 440 in hostile work environment and management's still doing it? Then what? Then they need to file an EEO. Yep. Bypa- bypass the, the, the steward forum and just go right to EEO. If, you're, if your steward's not stepping up and ex- escalating this higher in the union to get it resolved, you need to file an EEO. Get the federal government involved. And the thing of it is, folks, that it's going to take time for a steward, uh, an area steward, an ADR to get things processed and rolling along. And, it, and if the situation continues, then, you know, you talk to that union, you know, representative. And if you don't get an answer from them that's satisfactory, then you call your DR. And then after that, your executive committee person. And after that, you call the national board. You don't tolerate it. We um, have a little thing in, in, in my office where when something goes down between a carrier and a supervisor, almost every time the carrier next to them steps out and starts listening to the conversation or the carrier who's being berated says to the carrier next to him, can you be a witness to this? You know what? That shuts management down really quick because of the fact that they don't want witnesses. And that's what you need. You need people to back up, you know, what is happening in the office. And I don't care if you don't like the person or not. They're all entitled to equal respect. All right. You fear for, if you fear for your life, you feel like management is going to get violent with you, call EAP. It's free. Contact EAP. Contact EEO. Contact your union rep. And if they start making threats to you and you have witness, like Bill said, you get a witness involved, call the police. Call 911. Tell them your manager is threatening your life because we will not stand for people threatening us. It is not right. It is not cool. It is not a managerial tool. We deserve a safe work environment where we are treated with dignity, fairness, and respect and where management follows the contract, postal rules and regulations, our duties and responsibilities, and the law. We deserve that through every level 
in the Postal Service and in our union. Every day. We do every single day. And if you're not getting that, get with your designated union representative to start. What do you think is going to happen to our routes when we pass this mini mail survey this time? Now that carriers have seen what could be the worst evaluation on their route, what do you think is going to happen? Kristen, we'll start with you. I honestly don't know. I, I see a lot of these routes that weren't doing outside the other scans outside of the six scans until after the fact, maybe having some increase. But honestly, I I don't know. Um, in my office, I hope things stay relatively the same. Uh, I'm hoping our one route may go up another hour, the one that lost three. Um it's hard to say. I we did we had lost our Amazon for a little bit, then we got it back with a vengeance and it hasn't gone away at all. And just, you know, going over the scans with the carrier again and you know, getting I, I was getting the well, I wasn't trained on that. Well, then I go back to remember the training. They were still in RCA when I initially did the training on the aux route and they weren't in the office at the time the training was done. Because, yeah, all the important stuff happens before the ox route carrier gets there. I can vouch on that one. Hey. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Bill? What do you think? All right, call me an optimist, but I'm looking for about a 20, 25% rebound for the 66% who lost. Just on the basis of, okay, we've seen what happens when they implemented the mini-mail survey. So now we're going to pay attention. <laughs> I mean, when you when you hit somebody in the pocketbook, you're going to get their attention. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I think that people are starting to take this seriously. Uh, there are some that still won't, but, you know, that's on them. But I think enough people have been affected that, uh, you know, they're, they're starting to learn about their jobs because of the fact that it does affect that paycheck. And, and there's a lot of horror stories out there. And. I'd like to see some better stories this time around. Yeah, me too. I'm hopeful. I, I'm I'm hopeful. See, and I I'm I'm looking at this from a completely statistical point of view, being that I love math, if you haven't noticed, <laughs> and considering the fact that 66% of our carriers lost money, and 33% of our carriers gained money. Some of them gained too far to where they are losing money while they still gained money. But I am seeing a situation where out of the 100% of our routes, at least 45% of the 66% is going to go up. And 15% of the 33% is going to go up more. On top of that, I also see some routes going down. I know, I know, supposed to be optimistic, but I have to be a realist here. Some routes are going to go down if they've been doing the scans the whole time. It's a possibility. We can't negate that situation. But I do believe, especially the routes that have dropped way below evaluation route, are going to go up. Almost guarantee that they're going to go up if they've been doing the inputs like they're supposed to be doing. I think most of those routes that have gone down below the guarantee amount are going to come back up 
And some of them are going to come up at least to a J route from their loss from a K route. We're looking at possibly 45% valuation that they're going to change because you have to remember our valuations didn't come out for a couple months or what was it, a month and a half after they did the mini mail survey. And that number, you have to figure out how much time was between those that that period and net, the mini mail survey now to the evaluation. So about 45% of what we actually are worth on that route. So I honestly don't think a lot of carriers will be excised over this situation because they're going to bump those routes back up above a 42H at minimum. There may be a few excised carriers, but I don't think it's going to be a nationwide problem like some people have actually mentioned in, in several places. Well, hopefully, uh, like you said, they'll, they'll bump back up to J-Route value. The excising, I, I think, is just a cautionary note in case they don't go up. But uh, I, I, I have to believe that, you know, once the mini-mail survey results came back and these people were slapped in the face with reality, that uh, they jumped on the bandwagon and, and started paying attention to what they're responsible for. Yeah, they figured out that management wasn't going to actually follow the contract and do the training. So they decided to actually seek out the training for themselves this time. Because well, like we saw in, on the, the few disputes that have come back to some people that argued about not having training and it's saying that it's been on the union website since 2022. You know, a lot of people had to hurry up and go to their designated union rep or their next door neighbor and say, Hey, uh, can you tell me about this stuff since I didn't learn it? Or the um, ones that, the, or the ones that went and said, uh, can you tell me why management didn't train me as uh, they're required to? Yeah. My question is, is why haven't we held management accountable on not training us? Oh, that's right. I went to the mid States conference and the manager right there stated that it wasn't mandatory for management to learn the rec system. I still remember that completely. Hold, hold on. Did you pass out at, at, at that point or uh, did you just start to giggle? No, I dropped the mic on him. But... Uh, okay. Oh, he did. He 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 had a very much of a uh, mic drop uh, moment there. That was, that was awesome. Because I literally asked him, so why haven't we had management attend trainings on the rec system? And he turned around and replied, well, some management doesn't ch chooses not to t attend the trainings, and some management turns the training on and then ignores it doing stuff at the office. And, and then I turned around and said, but why haven't you made it mandatory and walked away from the mic? Hmm. He didn't know well, what to say after that. As long what? as you do the six scans, you're okay. Yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, yeah we he, found out. Yeah, the uh, so he managed the guy that... What if I don't want to do six scans? Hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the party. Woohoo! So you were saying, Kristen, so, before Josh came in? I said, when you did your mic drop moment, the uh, headquarters person didn't quite know how to respond to you. It was great. I don't think either him or, or anybody else that was talking about Rex up there expected us rural carriers to actually know what we were talking about. And that's what scares them. When, when you know your job better than them 
it, they tend to they tend to get intimidated. Yes. And then or they lash out. Then they lash out comments. at you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then they give then they give snide comments after a mic drop. Mm-hmm. And Josh, welcome. You had something well, to add? Because I have been listening, I just wasn't able to join in earlier. I know someone from district has been who's been in my office on and off for the last couple of years. I know because she, she told me that she let management know that they have to update all everyone's uh, mapping, and I know she showed the one supervisor how to do it, and she let me know that if she remembers correctly from the email that she saw, all mapping updates must be completed before September 7th, the last day of count, for it to go into effect, or 8th, whatever that the last day of the count is, for it to go into effect for the new evaluations. Which would make sense. That the last round of updates at the end of August, make sure that you're getting those done. Because that will be what your updated uh, evaluation will be based off of. I know there was a couple other things I wanted to comment on that were being discussed, but I can't remember what they are right now because I had the kid in my ear also. So, <laughs> so how is everyone else? Not bad. Just uh, looking through questions we got on our, our question we asked in our group. Somebody asked for refreshers on the Rex as often as possible. I'm still learning that I may have or may not have entered a specific key function for certain activities correctly and therefore may not be getting proper credit on the route. We do have our activity scans episode. And like I said earlier, the uh, cheat sheet for it has not been changed since the last mini mail survey. Um, Although we have been getting uh, confusing reports about the WSH handling. Um, the union is now saying that it needs to be counted in the mini mail survey. When you get a WSH, you need to count it. Um, the previous, when the f- it first came out, it was saying WSH and WSS should be input in the scanner. And on a training material item that I saw, it says that WSH is not to be counted with manual letters. Now that paper was from before the mini, the last mini mail survey, just before the training for that, uh, but it has not been updated. The slideshow that cannot be disseminated through social media or other outlets per extra slides that have been added to it does not mention WSH being counted in the random either. I would recommend yep. carrier discretion. Your guys' well, thoughts? Well, you, well, I'm going to backtrack to what you were saying with the um, activity scans. You should be able to ask your supervisor and or your rep to get you a copy, a hard copy of that cheat sheet with what all the scans are with the brief description of them. They should, you know, that's something that should be able, you should be able to get provided to you if you don't have one. That way you can see it, and as James said, you can go back and listen to our activity scan one where we went through each one, one at a time. WSH, I want to say I've heard that they could be counting them, but I'm not 100% on that. 
That's where carrier discretion lies. That's where carrier discretion lies. Anybody else? Well, I like I like the new update on the WSS because we've gotten box holders that have come to us labeled as WSS. And now we have information that WSS box holders are not to be put in as WSS. Huh? Well, yeah. how can they get WSS? <laughs> you know? So just remember on the inputs on your scanner, if it has a mailing address on it, it is WSS. If it does not have a mailing address on it, it is box holder. It doesn't matter if it has the WSS on it, if there's no address, it is a box holder. That is what we explained back on activity scans. That's the way it's been since before the last mini mail survey, and that's the way it is today. WSS and is only for addresses. And that just means that the mailer paid the postage for the walk sequence. They paid extra for the walk sequence where it's actually addressed. They told the post office we're putting it in delivery order or reverse delivery order <laughs> wss wss is a payout to case the wss the letter sequence the sequenced version which has the address on it you do not get casing credit for a box holder because you should be able to just grab one and throw it with the mail as you throw it in the box like a city carrier don't you just love when they come in reversed addressed that is a pain in the behind. I agree. If it's a, a catalog or magazine, you know, a, one of those pre-sort bundles, that's fine. But if it's a full coverage something, yeah, that's a pain in the rump. Well, WSS on flat case bundled. Scan or not. My direct order was do not. WSS on a what? It's in the uh, yeah, chat box. Pre-sort bundles. I would say that I'm going to say carrier discretion on that. However, supposedly you're getting credit off the radar report once the mailer provides that information to the post office and they upload it into the system. And when's the last time you saw a radar report that was accurate and timely? Um, the end of last count, and I can't say that it was accurate or timely. I rest my case. Carry your discretion. And if they're giving you a direct order, make sure they give it to you in writing, signed, and round dated. Tell them they have to put their name behind it. Absolutely. Anything, and, and then management and, says anything direct order. Anything direct order, writing with your name on it, because I want you to stand by the words you're saying. And, and, that, and that leads to district who's telling them to do this crap also getting called on the carpet for it. Yeah. Yeah. The time, the time for just, uh, just taking management at face value, which is not something you should ever do, but the time for taking management at face value has passed. Management is not going to work with us on this. They're getting it from their national office that numbers need to come down. They're getting it from the district office that numbers need to come down. The key here is carrier discretion and get things in writing. Because when push comes to shove, when they ask you, 
well, you had this WSS and you didn't input it, so you're falsifying your paperwork. Or they're saying you input this WSS, but we told you not to. Do you have it in writing where you told me? Because it's your word against mine, and they're going to take your word over mine. But if I if I have it in writing, you can say, I gave it to him in writing, so he should have followed that. And you can say, yes, I've got it in writing right here. And that's, that's your simple. ammunition and your proof. Yep. Um, I got, co yep. A couple other things here under our uh, topics post. Uh, union reps not answering phone calls or returning phone calls. Go Keep going up the chain. If they're not returning calls, go up to the next one. If they're not getting back to you, I mean, I would give them up to 24 hours. Quote me if I'm wrong, if you guys would go longer. I would say 24 hours. Given the, I would uh, give them 48. 48. Them 24 48. to 48, yeah, definitely, depending yeah. on who you're contacting. If they're not returning calls, keep going up the chain. I mean, all the way up to National Board if you have to. Go from your local to your uh, assistant district representative who's in charge of your local steward, if you have them. If not, it'll be your district representative. And it's the same if you contact your ADR and they don't get back to you within... I'll say 72 hours for them because they handle a lot more than a local would. Then go up to your district rep because you have a specific number of days to file paperwork after notice of what's happened, after notice of violation or notice of issue. You have a certain time window, and if it's not within that time window, it can be considered untimely. Like Bill discussed earlier, discipline can be untimely. So can filing your paperwork with your designated union rep. So don't delay moving up the chain because, oh, we'll give them just another day, just another day. Just another day is going to push you even closer to that finite timeline. That management can turn around and say this grievance is denied due to untimeliness. Work oh, yourself up the chain. Here's one that popped up uh, just a couple minutes ago. Bill, you may have some insight on this. They're curious about the appeals process, how the appeals process works. In which regard, which appeals process? It just says the appeals process. Normally the appeals process is uh, done by forming a committee, usually assigned by the president, and has at least a, a board member and an executive committee person on there, as well as individuals from around the country who decide if there's any merit to the basis of your appeal. Uh, once the decision is handed down, you can appeal their decision. The problem of the, uh, the whole appeal process is that it is generally garnered towards the protection of the union. That's that's their line of sight. They want to protect the union. It doesn't mean that you know you're not right or that you're you're you are right. It just means that they're going to find for the interests of the union. Now, we know in the past how the appeals process has gone, and in particularly last year, in which regards that they took a personal uh, dislike to an individual filing multiple appeals, and they almost turned around and were going to punish that individual for exercising his rights. Right or wrong, you don't punish a member for using the process that is available to us to get justice, no matter what. 
Uh, and again, the appeals process too is like a grievance. It does have a timeline. So, you know, certified letters is the only way to go. Express mail is an expensive way to go, but, you know, gets there faster. But everything has to be documented. I's dotted, T's crossed, periods, punctuation, everything. And make sure you have all the supporting documents you, you require for an appeal. But it is handled by the national board and all the people... All, all the people on there are uh, appointed by the national board. So can I say it's fair? No, I, I've gone through, I've gone through the process myself and they covered their asses and then, you know, were negligent in their duty. You know, the appeals process is really designed to just get more eyes on the situation because when it comes to anything in the union, you appeal it to the national board and then the national board makes a decision. And then you can appeal that from the national board to the appeals committee at national convention. And then like Bill said, they're appointed by the national board to decide on this matter. Now, this to give an example, this is like appealing to the Supreme Court and then appealing the Supreme Court's decision. The Supreme Court could look at it and say, yep, we were wrong. We'll fix this right now. And it's, but at the same, same time, they could turn around and say, no, we stand by our decision. This is final. But it is your right to appeal decisions made by the union if you so choose. The other option, if you feel like the union is not representing you correctly is to contact the National Labor Relations Board. And again, that's another point where you want to make sure you have your I's dotted and your T's crossed, your commas, colons, semicolons, apostrophes, and everything in position before you go to that process. But if they are doing a failure to represent, they are choosing not to run your grievance or anything of that nature, you can file a labor charge with the National Labor Relations Board. Granted, it's an underfunded, understaffed government agency, just like pretty much every other department in the uh, United States that isn't related to lining pockets of specific people. They're there to protect the labor. They're there to protect the union members. Not just the union, the union members. And anybody can file a labor charge with the National Labor Relations Board. And the National Labor Relations Board will research every single labor charge that's put in front of them. And they have competent attorneys as the investigators. These are people who have spent their lives studying the law, understanding the law, and fighting for the law for years. And you can go in and file a labor charge against the union with the NLRB and they will investigate it and they will make a determination. They will take your statement, they will take the union statement, and they will put it in front of basically an arbitrator who will then make a judgment on the merits of both sides. So that's another option you could do. Of course, you could skip the appeals process and go to the NLRB too. Well, I, I like the idea of going through the appeals process because 
that makes them show their handle up front. <laughs> so you have you have the opportunity, you know, when you go to the NRLB to sit there and say, okay, this is A, B, and C. They responded with D, E, and F, and E and F are, you know, uh, untimely. They're false. They're unsupported. You know, they're false. Whatever you want to, but you know, once you have that response in their hand, they can't retract that. That works. That's important too. If you don't have, if you don't know the union side, but if you know the union side, you can file a labor charge without doing the appeals process. If you know, if you, and especially if the union has handed you the paperwork for it. And I'm not talking about they handed you the paperwork to fill out the labor charge, but they gave you the documentation you needed from them to file a labor charge. Those are the best ones. When you can go in there and drop their own paperwork down on the on the desk in, in one of those instances, perfection. It's like dropping a mic so, at a conference. Correct. <laughs> well, there was other another questions. one. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking for other questions here. Formula offices have been a big one. That's, uh, I just was looking at that one. Let's start with this, this one first. This is an act, the current, formula office when can you adjust it and how i know there's a formula but it's hard to figure out when a regular carrier pickup can a regular when can a regular carrier pick up another day off when rcas and ptfs are added or when someone retires or quits how to make management accountable for adjusting it when it needs to be adjusted anytime there is a change in relief carrier they're supposed to recalculate the formula. You hire more RCAs. RCAs quit, leave, or convert to PGF or regular. They're supposed to re recalculate. In a larger office like mine where you have larger turnover, they don't do it, but they should probably be doing it like once a month or every other month. Once the formula is set up, usually the only changes would be adding more Saturdays or removing Saturdays. And they should be going through and asking the senior regulars that have midweeks if they want Saturdays and adjusting down from there. Um, the other thing you have to keep in mind is the formula states that you have, you are not allowed to have on any non-Saturday relief day more than you have on Saturday. So if it gets to the point where you're so low, where let's say you have 10 people on, you know, for Saturday, you can only have 10 people Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. If you lose more and it will go down to nine or eight Saturdays, they can't take and move to the other to somewhere else on during the week because that would give you more non Saturday release than Saturday release. Anyone else want to jump in on this or Bill? That's pretty good. Bill, uh, you're cutting in and out. Uh, I'm here. I, I didn't there we go. cut out. <laughs> there we go. No, he, he he basically covered the uh, merits of uh, getting the formulation out of there. Yeah, because uh, a lot of people, 
want it. A lot of people don't want it. A lot of people have no idea what they want. So, you know, it all it all is based on you know your coverage for RCAs, your subs. Uh, once you hit that point where you know you you don't need to be formulated, you can have it removed. It is a process and, to be removed, but yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And another point of contention here is it is only based on K routes. J yeah. routes do not count for anything in the formula evaluation. So if or a manager or H routes either. So yeah. it has to be all K routes. So if you have five K routes and five J routes, and the five J routes have the Saturdays off. They cannot put the other K routes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in a formula without having at least one K route on Saturday. Because you could split four K routes on the weekdays and then have the one Saturday. That's the only way they could formula that. But leads into the next question. How to stop a formula office? Grieve it. Grieve it. Bill, what do you say? File, file, file. Uh, yeah, it's, we're, we're a formula office. And the reason we're a formula office, we can't get subs. So, you know, basically it was out of necessity. If you don't want it and you have, you know, sufficient coverage, grieve it. It only benefits management, period. End of statement, drop the mic. <laughs> yeah, I, there, there is a criteria yeah. that management has to follow before formula can be implemented, and grieving it is about the only way to make sure that they have followed that those procedures ahead of time. And most and management doesn't know the formula either. No. So, you know, they're usually and trying to invoke something with the, the, the knowledge that most people won't contend it. But, you know, in our cases and our listeners, you know, we will contend it. Yeah. And the keys to it especially is they have to continuously attempt to hire. And if they don't have a hiring list from applicants, even if they've had one applicant and they don't have a hiring list, they can't go formula. If they hire somebody in those six months, they can't go formula. It has to be six months with no applicants whatsoever after a continuous attempt to hire and other factors as well. Like we said earlier, it has to be so many K routes have to be available in order to go formula. So if you have an office where you have 10 full routes and only two of them are K routes, they could go formula. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot more difficult to go formula that way because they. PTF only needs two K routes to be formula, but there's a lot of lot of niche chain things that have to happen in order for them to go formula. And I would recommend if they're having discussions about formula, contact your local designated union representative. Get the answers from them as to all the procedures that management has to follow to go formula. They should have that information readily accessible to themselves and be able to let you know what they are. And they have to show a record 
of you know their hiring attempts yes not just say that they did they have to actually show you the records of you know whether you know having uh, uh hiring you know seminars you know or fairs at the local post office placing ads in the newspaper facebook indeed wherever they have to prove that they put forth the effort they get just can't say oh yeah we've been trying for the last four months that that's no good show me show me how you did it show me when you did it and for how long i actually had a, yeah. actually had a, P, a pm one time try to tell me well, it, it's been posted on light blue for, you know, th three three weeks now. Sorry, folks, that's not how it floats. Well, it used it used to be they had to show three different methods of trying to hire. With the with the uh, our current contract, they have to was it is it four out of six months with main hiring lists with names on them. So if they pull a hiring list and there's no names, that doesn't count. Well, you mean like the hiring list where they had a Angel Ramirez as my sub of record, and I turned around and you know I asked them where, where where the sub was, and they said, "Oh, somebody came in and put an application in." Okay, <laughs> does that qualify <laughs> as a a hiring list? <laughs> right, right. Of course, that person never never actually appeared. Never went to training, never did a shadow day, but you know, they, they were on my 4240. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know we were hiring ghosts now. Yeah. Well, they're cheap. No benefits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. We're going to wind it down, guys. Right, we're sure. just past nine o'clock. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get her wind down so we can wrap things up for tonight i know you have time for one one small question yeah go ahead so this this one's actually a good one for after the mini mail survey because you aren't going to be able to become before that but do you have to be a supervisor or pm to run the mapping program no i'm, I'm no. assuming mean facilitator no any no, in fact, any you have... carrier can be a facilitator Actually, a clerk can be a facilitator. It's just a two-hour training video on the blue page that they pull up and have you watch. And that's your training, literally. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> so the caveat to that is, unless you are issued as a facilitator logging credentials, you would need a supervisor, a supervisor or manager to log you to get you logged into the program. Yep, and then they have to come in and put their password in when you want to go submit it for the DPM to the LTM. And yeah, I mean, it's a process because I don't have my own login as a facilitator. We use the Postmasters. She usually is pretty good about just writing down her password for me, and then she changes it after we're done. But yeah, I mean, it's possible to do it without having your own ACE ID as well. It's just a bigger pain in the tuckus, but... You know, we we make it work. Yeah. Just saying, and, that's the only uh, caveat. You don't have to be in management to be a facilitator. However, to get logged in, you might need one to initially log you in. And as you said, once it's completed, they need to submit, you know, actually do the submitting. Yep. Yep. I mean, right here on this on this podcast, 
you have an RCA and a regular carrier that are doing the mapping. And on top of that, it is actually one of the few authorized, quote unquote, higher level assignments that don't prevent you from being a delegate or being elected to an office position or being a steward or any of that stuff. There are quite a few that you can do that won't affect that, but there are quite a lot that you do that will affect that. So if you are a well, steward or you want to be elected uh, to office or run run for a position, contact the national board and because that's what it says in the, in the manuals, contact the national board to ensure that you are not violating that provision of the contract. And that's the contact well, them before you do it, not correct. after you do it. <laughs> but yeah, I, say, I know when they initially started the process and we're going to start mapping homes. And if you want to be a facilitator and you're getting pushback from management, Contact your designated union rep because they'll usually uh, make a, a a phone call or get in touch with management saying, hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with having them being a facilitator if it's going to help out and get things done in a timely manner. Especially since it affects your pay. Absolutely. You know, that, that, that's the number one reason you should have a facilitator in, in each office. That's not management. Definitely and not management. And this is a simple argument you can have about with management about it is, well, I figured I could take some of the strain off of you of trying to get this done so you can work on other managerial tasks that you have to do that you're directed to do from district. Because district's got so many orders that they're sending down to management these days, especially if you're in a split office with rural and city, because city's getting beat to crap too. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So especially those postmasters are really dealing with a lot of garbage coming down from above as well. So it'd be a way that you could actually take some work off of them and benefit your craft as a whole. Okay. What I was starting to say before I was rudely interrupted by a vehicle with no muffler, <laughs> um, that before the pandemic, when they were starting to gear up, for mapping and everything, it was supposed to be facilitators were teamed a management representative and a union representative. Didn't necessarily have to be a steward, but someone that the union designated for each region or area. All right, guys, we're going to start winding her down now, unless anybody else has anything else. Yeah, somebody commented in our chat, one of our facilitators was a city carrier out on injury. Yeah, that's and I'll trust, a city, I'll trust a city carrier over a manager. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're our brothers and sisters. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm adopted. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're our brother in this, in this podcast. You're our brother, and you're, you're a brother to the brothers and sisters of the rural craft. <laughs> We'll adopt you. We'll adopt uh, you as our brother. Thank you. Can I change my name? <laughs> no. No. All right. So we're going to wind her down. Josh, any uh, last comments, thoughts? 
Anything you want to express this evening? Um, nope, just try and have a good week. Hydrate. I know earlier today I got a um, weather alert saying that in my area we're under a spring heat advisory from 11 a.m. today until 7 p.m. tomorrow. You're garbling on the mic. Um, I said, you know, hydrate um, because I know in my area I got a um, an alert, a weather alert saying we're under an extreme heat advisory. From 11 a.m. this morning till 7 p.m. tomorrow. They're calling for, I think, the heat index of 107 for tomorrow. So hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Be safe. Don't get overwhelmed. If you do, take a step back. Take a deep breath and step back in. And hopefully everyone will have a good week. James. Yeah, I'll just talk about the problems that we're having and the stuff that's going on is very, very important to us. But the most important thing to every one of us on this podcast and everybody that's involved in this podcast is to take care of the rural craft and the rural carrier that is out there every day busting their backside to get these mail and packages delivered. And to you guys, we salute you because you are the backbone of the rural craft. You are the most important person in the rural craft, each and every single one of you. Without you, the rural craft does not work. The mail does not get delivered. The packages do not get delivered. And we will sit here every single week and give you the help you want, the help you need to understand your craft, to do what needs to be done to better this craft. And no matter what, take care of yourself and take care of your carrier that's next to you. If we all look out for each other, we can make this craft the best it's ever been. Absolutely. Bill, your last uh, thoughts tonight. Well... You know, to the, the take a branch off of James there, did you ever notice that the, the post office could do without management, but they couldn't do without the, car the carriers? So who who's more important to the post office? Uh, it, it's just a conundrum, you know, that the, the, the weakest and the dumbest animals are leading the rest of the herd. But, you know, um, everybody, you know, do the job to the best of their ability. Watch out for each other. Step up for the ones who can't step up for themselves or, you know, or, or, or fearful for their jobs. I mean, I, I've got enough people who've been in uh, probationary periods say, well, I don't want to get in trouble. I'm in probation. You know, long as I was standing there, they didn't have anything to fear because, boy, I'd go to bat for them in, in a heartbeat. But, that, you know, that's, that's not the norm, you know, across the country. And there, there's so much intimidation, the hostile work environment, the fear factor. It, it's it's becoming overwhelming, and, and it's got to stop. And uh, we need union leadership that's going to make that stop. And, and it starts with the the carrier in the office. Okay, uh, they've got to report it. They've got to pass it up the chain, and the national board has to act on it. It's, it's not new, folks. 
This has been going on for years. And and it just it breaks my heart when I read some of these things about people being there 20 years and they're they're getting ready to bail. And, and it's why? Because of management. New people, you know, they do a shadow day and they, they don't take the job because they, you know, they experienced the postmaster that, uh, you know, basically had a toxic environment in an office. This, this is why we can't keep people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's very frustrating and all that, but it, it starts with you stepping up, speaking out. Okay. If you don't, then it can't get resolved. Uh, everybody, you know, Josh mentioning 107, you know, heat index. Folks, there's people out there, that's that's their daytime temperature at 11 a.m. So everybody be safe out there. Hydrate, drink electrolytes, Gatorade, Pedialyte. You know, and you laugh about Pedialyte. I drink it, you know, because I don't have to ingest the sugar from Gatorade. But uh, Pedialyte works well. And start before you get out on the route. You know, you, once you get out there, you can't catch up with your hydration. Be safe, do the job the best of your ability, look out for each other, and get home. You're the most important delivery of the day. Thank you, guys. We will be back next week on our pre-convention episode. Uh, Most of us will be on site, so uh, we'll get that recorded before convention officially kicks off and out to you. And yeah, that's. I'm actually looking forward to convention. So it just will. Uh, as of right now, I'm still an alternate delegate, but that's not going to stop me from going one bit. I am going to be there, and I am still going to stand up, and I'm still going to speak on behalf of the people that can't be there, even if it's not at a microphone, even if it's off the convention floor talking to other carriers. You know, we're there for you guys. And on that note, everybody have a safe week. Stay hydrated. Take cooling breaks as needed. And we will be back next week.